Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Oftentimes, when we are visiting a new country or a region that we're not familiar with, our appreciation of that place will depend on the guide that is showing us around. Without a knowledgeable and experienced guide, we likely will not perceive much of the hidden beauty, nor appreciate the richness of all that we're seeing. Actually, this could also describe our understanding of the scriptures. Of course, we need to read and read again and reread again in a prayerful way the Bible to allow the Lord to reveal his word to us. But in addition to our personal reading, we need a guide, just as the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8. And the Spirit said to Philip, beginning at verse 29, Approach and join this chariot. And when Philip ran up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you really know the things that you are reading? And he said, How could I, unless someone guides me? And he entreated Philip to come up and sit with him. And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he announced Jesus as the gospel to him. Matt Miller has joined us today. I thought this was a fitting beginning to our program, Matt. It's not really one of the points of the life study that Witness Lee will talk about, though it is contained in his version in the printed written life study, but I thought it illustrates very, very much the importance that comes to the kind of unveiling and unfolding of the word that we have before us each day in this life study. And I know you agree with that. I do, Chris. I was in the studio a few programs ago. Francis said he was 40 years a Christian before he came across this ministry. And of course, when we say that we need a guide, we're clearly saying that Witness Lee is guiding us through this book. This is Witness Lee's life study. Witness Lee is really in the place of uh, Philip here, you know, guiding that Ethiopian through Isaiah the prophet. He wouldn't have understood it without a guide. And Francis's comment was, I didn't understand Psalms at all. But he spent the last 40 years under Witness Lee's ministry, and he's been guided into a lot of the truth. You know, the Lord used the same word when he talked about the spirit of reality coming. That's right. He said, the spirit of reality will guide you into all truth. Really, it's the Spirit. We say witnessly, but it's the Spirit who's guiding us. That's right. It's just he happens to use a man, and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Many times people will not accept the guidance coming from someone who they might not respect. You know, he's Asian. He has an accent. He's hard to understand. But when you can get past those things, you really appreciate the Spirit's guiding through our brother Lee. You said something I want to underscore, Matt. It's not the men. We're not uplifting Witness Lee, Watchman Nee, or anyone else, but we feel compelled to acknowledge what the Holy Spirit has done through this ministry, not to give him any glory. I remember hearing him say on a number of occasions, many times he would receive invitations uh, from different churches, different denominations to speak, especially in the early days when he first came here. And on one occasion, he showed up to speak, as he had agreed to, and his name was on the uh, marquee, the billboard out front. And he refused to speak until they took his name off. This was his manner of living. Actually, and I would say it was part of his ministry to avoid that kind of uh, attention drawn to himself. 
And the keystone, I think, of this ministry is not that it draws our attention to Witness Lee or Watchman Nee or any of the ones that went before them, but it really draws all the attention to Christ. And that's the focus of our life study of the book of the Psalms. It's our focus of every life study we touch, that it's to bring us to Christ and to find Christ on every page. And for this, we just have to humbly admit, like all of our listeners, really, we all need the guidance, don't we? We do, Chris. And if it was anything other than that, Witness Lee would really be upset with us. Yeah, he would. He went to be with the Lord in 1997, and for those of us who knew him personally, we would not be able to face him if we drew attention to him personally and didn't give the credit to the Lord. Yeah. In fact, I think it's worth reading that verse I mentioned earlier, Chris. It's John chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, Mm. the spirit of reality, comes... He will guide you into all the reality, for he will not speak from himself, but what he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are coming. Wow. That's the real guide. Yeah. The spirit of reality is is guiding us, and our prayer right now is he's guiding the listeners right now as they're listening, because we're going to cover Psalm 93 through 101. We've got a big chunk of Psalms today, and we really pray that the spirit would do the guiding of every listener. Including you and me. That's right. Okay. Matt, we're in this section of uh, Psalms from 93 to 101, a group that collectively can be viewed because it deals very much with the coming reigning of Christ in which he will execute God's righteous judgment once again on the earth. And I think one point that comes up throughout the day, I'll maybe just throw it out here in the beginning. Oftentimes we look at the world situation. In fact, at lunch today, I happened to hear a news story about one of these horrific crimes that had just taken place, you know, with an abduction and all of these things. And you just, you know, it it is so discouraging because it seems like the news and the newspaper is just filled with these kinds of accounts day after day. And it even is increasing. And sometimes you wonder, God, where are you? I mean, this is your earth. And how could it be allowed to degenerate to such a point? And I think that's a common sensation that God's people frequently have when they are confronted with the darkness and the unrighteousness that's out there. But the point is, of these psalms, this is not a permanent situation. God is here, and there's a day coming, isn't there, when uh, that judgment will be restored. There is, Chris, and that's a striking verse in this section. It's Psalm 94:15 that says, Judgment will return unto righteousness. Yeah. And the point there is it's very clear. It's like you said, today the judgment isn't righteous. And even you hear about a horrific crime, they catch the person who commits the horrific crime. He gets an expensive lawyer. They let him off. And it's like, that's even worse than the horrific crime. Yeah, it really. There's no righteousness. And Mm. so in the kingdom, when Christ returns to be the king and take possession of the earth, judgment will return unto righteousness. Well, we're going to start at the end of the segment in uh, our order today, Matt, actually from Psalm 101. The first verse says very simply, I will sing of loving kindness and justice to you, O Jehovah. I will sing psalms. And we have to underscore this matter of loving kindness and justice. And these two become the basis of Christ's judgment and reigning in the coming kingdom. So let's join Witness Lee with our first portion. Now we are on Psalm 93 to 101. These nine Psalms are the group showing us the recovery of God's title and right over this earth through the reign of Christ. Saints, do you realize? You look into your newspaper, 
every day, every day, the first page mostly gives you what? The general situation, condition, and the going on of today's world. What is there? The darkness, sinfulness, robbing, stealing, murdering persons against persons, societies against societies, nations against nations. Am I right? But Psalms 93 to 101 shout joyfully that aha, God will recover his title and right. He is a possessor and he has all the right over the earth. Why? Because the earth was created by God. So he's a possessor and he has a full right. Hard enough for the Psalms. It seems that Psalm 101 does not belong to this section concerning God's recovery of the earth through Christ's reign. But it is the conclusion of this section. It unveils to us how Christ will reign. I must ask us to read this psalm to see in the future, in the coming age, when Christ reigns on this earth, how he reigns. He reigns in a loving kindness and justice, and these two items are the base of his reign and judgment over the earth. This is the way that Christ will take to rule, to reign, to judge the coming age. And uh, here is his word in detail, telling us how his reign will be. I like to read this psalm again and again, because as an elder man, I pass through this and that. I sight new justice. But we have a hope that one day this earth will be recovered. Its title, its right, it will be recovered to God, and Christ will reign on this earth for God's right. Matt, this is uh, striking to me. It seems regardless of how well-conceived man's system of justice is, it will either maybe be on the side of justice or on the side of loving kindness, but one or the other will usually get sacrificed when man does it. But yet, in God's coming righteous judgment, the base will be both of these two things, justice and loving kindness. Also intrigued by this matter of his title and his right to possess the earth that comes out in these psalms. Very, very important, isn't it? Yeah, Chris, I also appreciate the fact that he's the owner of the earth. And right now, he hasn't taken possession of the earth yet, but he will. And we're in this state where there's a usurper. The enemy has usurped the situation. And that's why I like also Psalm 101. It says, I will sing of loving kindness and justice. That's how the conclusion to these psalms, this group of psalms ends. I will sing. And so I was thinking the exact same thing you were when you said the the way the justice is today, it seems like we're either we love people and we become unjust, or we have true justice and all love is out the window. And that's why with the Lord, 
when he takes possession of the earth and regains title, the title deed of the earth, uh-huh. we will sing. Because yeah. this is an amazing <laughs> thing, that he can have the balance between loving kindness and justice. It's uh, typical of his whole dealing with man, even how he deals with us each day, isn't it? I mean, of course, we're getting oftentimes a kind of a discipline, a loving discipline. But that's the point. It's a loving discipline from a righteous God and Father. And in God's divine life and in his nature, in his character, expressed through Christ, uh, these two things do not war with each other, but have a perfect harmony, a kind of a symphony. This is an amazing thing in God's salvation that the Lord can balance the throne, the righteousness. You know, we a Psalm earlier talked about righteousness is the foundation of his throne. And so, in a sense, he must be righteous. He has to take care of justice. But God is love. How does the God who is love maintain his throne of righteousness? It's amazing. We need a whole radio program just to talk about this one point, this really so. miracle of God's salvation that you're talking about. All right, Matt, let's, uh, because of time's constraint, let's jump in here to uh, the earlier portion of these psalms. Uh, I'll pick up a verse or two from Psalm 94. O God of vengeance, O Jehovah, O God of vengeance, shine forth, lift yourself up. O judge of the earth, render the reward upon the proud. And then jumped ahead to 14 and 15. For Jehovah will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. For judgment will return unto righteousness. This is the verse you quoted a moment ago, Matt. And all the upright in heart will follow it. Let's find out about justice returning unto righteousness. Psalm 94 says, O God of vengeance, shine forth. On this earth today, a lot of injustices, just darkness. But when Christ reigns, Christ will shine. And that kind of shining will be a kind of vengeance he executes over the unjust world. Today, it seems on this earth, there's no God. There's no Lord. Actually, God's still here. God reigns. God reigns. Apparently, God doesn't care for the world. But when Christ reigns, in the next age, the kingdom age, Christ will discipline every nation. Like a father disciplining his children. Christ will discipline the nations. Judgment will return unto righteousness. This is Psalm 94. Verse 15, don't forget such a wonderful, strange word. Judgment will return unto righteousness. Have you ever heard this word? Judgment will return. And this means the judgment on this earth, it has left righteousness. But when Christ comes back, he will bring justice back. Judgment will return to righteousness. Okay, Matt, you brought this phrase up earlier. We just heard Witness Lee talk about it. So uh, let's get into this matter. What is it to have judgment returned unto righteousness? Chris, as we were listening to Witness Lee just now, it reminded me of a particular judge that I know. And, of course, I know several judges, so I'm not talking about all of them because I think many judges are righteous. 
But I'm thinking of one judge in particular that I don't think that's one of the striking characteristics you have about this person and his courtroom. His courtroom is not a place of righteousness. I feel a little bit awkward saying that, but the Lord is my witness. I think anybody who follows the newspapers and the situations, I mean, I heard someone say about California that the striking thing about the state of California is that they have unrighteousness in their courtrooms. (laughs) Their judgment is unrighteous, referring to many famous high-profile court cases where the situation seemed so unrighteous. And, you know, today, today judgment hasn't returned yet to righteousness. Mm -hmm. Judgment is not righteous. That's the problem. By virtue of the fact that judgment will return to righteousness, it means it's not there right now. That's right. Judgment's not at righteousness. It needs to return. And I think in the heart of many of the believers, they pray for this. Even, I think, There's a cry in even the unbelievers, you know, people who aren't even Christians, it it troubles them. Those people really need to get saved. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Matt. In a sense, this this verse is also kind of a fulfilled prophecy, isn't it? That in order for judgment to return unto righteousness, there must have been a forsaking. And surely that's what we're in now, as you uh, clearly identified. So the Lord realized that this earth and the situation would get very dark and frankly, According to Scripture, it seems pretty clear, especially the unbelieving world. It gets worse before the Lord comes back than it is even now, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, Chris. And it's darkness. The age gets darkest right before the day dawns, and the Lord's coming will be a dawning of the day. When the light comes, the darkness is going to go away, and judgment will return to righteousness. Of course, this return is the return of Christ at the same time, and if that causes spontaneous reaction within the heart of all genuine believers, all those who love the Lord, surely love and look forward to his return. I think it came out in that verse in Psalm 101, I will sing of loving kindness, as you said. Uh, It also shows up in Psalms 97 and 98, which uh, are the Psalms in our last section today. Jehovah reigns, let the earth be glad, let the many islands rejoice, make a joyful noise to Jehovah, all the earth, break forth and sing for joy and sing psalms. Joyful noise, breaking forth with singing, Matt. This is uh, an enjoyable segment just ahead. We come to uh, Psalms 97. Today, the whole earth is not so pleasant. So the inhabitants of the world today are not so glad. But when Christ reigns, the earth will be glad and rejoice. Now, Psalm 98. All the earth makes a joyful noise. I check with uh, our translators. Joyful noise in Hebrew is one word. Loud shouting. But the translators, a number translated this phrase into joyful noise. When you are joyful and you are shouting, Sure, that is noise, right? We have a few hundred people sitting here. Everybody is so quiet. Everything is uh, what? In order. But when we all shout joyfully, that's a noise. No one can control the joyful shout. Sometimes in our meetings, we should have this kind of noise. You say hallelujah, I say praise the Lord. We all shout together joyfully. 
to make a noise. Amen. I'm not joking, especially you gentlemen. You dare not to shout. I'm the manager of the bank. You ladies, I'm a school teacher. How could I shout? The loose face. The face must be Jesus. Tell me the truth. When you shout, don't you feel God's strengthened? Amen. Think about it. Our Lord is happy. Amen. He's happy with this. Matt, we've been in congregations, large ones, uh, a few thousand, and uh, there is something that is just uplifting when this kind of collective joyful noise, this loud shouting takes place really unto the Lord. You know, Matt, even in this section of these Psalms, in Psalm 93, it mentions the voices of many waters, and there are references throughout Scripture that this is what God's voice sounds like, even in dealing with his people. So this is the sound of a mighty rushing waterfall that is spontaneously offered out of the hearts of his people. It's like uh, being at the foot of Niagara Falls, isn't it? And there's something that just you can tell. It puts a smile on God's face. Puts a smile on our face too, Chris. I'm smiling thinking about it because uh, I really enjoy that. You know, in the Lord in Revelation chapter 1, verse 15, his voice is like the sound of many waters. In Revelation 14, 2 and in 19, 6, this phrase is used again and again, the sound of many waters. So if you want to know the Lord's voice, you better get used to this sound of many waters, the joyful, loud shouting. But, you know, the thing I want to point out, Chris, is the opposite, is not the smile. I want to point out what, what Witness Lee just referred to related to the gentleman, to yeah. the lady who have a hard time shouting. They have a hard time making a joyful noise. And I grew up in the Catholic Church, and that was a very unusual sound there. It just wasn't heard. You didn't hear loud, joyful shouting. Yeah. And, you know, the Episcopalians, they're known as God's frozen people. You wouldn't experience this. And that's why we're here talking about something that may be foreign to our listeners. And if it's foreign to them, I hope they would have a desire in their heart for, for Zion, for this kind of experience among God's people where there could be a loud, joyful noise. You brought up Zion, Matt. As we get further in the Psalms, we're going to come into the Psalms, uh, what are called the Psalms of Ascent. And this is, of course, when the children of Israel on their annual trek back to Jerusalem, up to Zion, where the temple was, to make their offerings. And they were bringing with them their offerings in the top of their produce. And the nation was coming together and gathering at the foot of Zion. And as they go up, Stage by stage, you just get the sense. This shouting, this joyful shouting was just increasing and increasing until the crescendo when they reached Zion. And in a spiritual sense, we all need to be climbing Zion. We do, Chris, and uh, I love those psalms. It's Psalm 120 through 134. There's 15 songs of ascent. Witness Lee calls that the path of the overcomers. I'm really looking forward to those psalms. Yeah, well, we're getting, uh, uh, I think, foretaste day by day as we go forward here. Good to have you back, Matt, as always, and uh, thanks again for uh, participating. Uh, We'll have you many times, I'm sure, before we finish uh, the Psalms of Ascent and this live study. We, of course, have the printed material that we uh, talk about each day, and the reason for that is that it contains so much more than we're able to uh, touch in just the uh, the few short minutes that we have together. You know, it's a half-hour program, but by the time it's all uh, packaged and put together, we really only have about 22, 23 minutes each day, and there's no way we can cover the depth of material and the riches that are in these printed messages. 
Uh, so we do encourage you because we genuinely believe in our heart that here is a guide that can unveil the hidden treasures and riches. And I think you realize that just in the short portions we're able to give you each day. So the payback, the benefit of obtaining these printed volumes is, is really marvelous. So we do encourage you out of a, a real conviction before the Lord that this is uh, something you would very, very much benefit from. If you'd like to get the uh, printed volumes, contact us toll-free at one eight 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 life study 888-543-3788 or write to us at Living Stream Ministry Post Office Box 2121 Anaheim, California 92814 or send an email to us just to radio at lsm.org We are out of time. We uh, appreciate having you with us each day and for Matt Miller, I'm Chris Wild and thanks again for listening today. believers desire to know the Lord Jesus in a deeper way. In a recently released set of 24 short messages, Watchman Nee guides new believers through some of the most pressing issues that they face, helping them mature in the Lord and be built up with other believers. Some of the topics in the New Believers series include baptism, seeking God's will, and reading the Bible. These messages come in a boxed set. The New Believers series by Watchman Nee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, where you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788. That's 1-888-543-3788.